Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Alexandra Hoover. Alexandra is the author of Eyes Up, and she is on the show talking about how to trust God's heart by tracing His hand. She said that some of us will question, where were you, God? And say, I can't see your hand in my story. Have you ever really shown up for me? Your heart might be good, but just not to me. If you've ever thought any of these things, you aren't alone. And Alex is on the show talking about how she's been in that place too. But on today's show, she reveals that God offers a clear way out by getting your eyes off your surroundings and raising them up to the Ebenezer Stone moments in your life. I can't wait for you to tune into today's conversation with Alexandra. Well, hello, Alexandra, and welcome back to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm happy to have you again. Hey, Rachel. I am so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely love you and love your podcast and your ministry. It's always such an encouragement to to be able to be with you. So thanks for having me. So you're, I need to tell, and we'll put this in the show notes, but we had you last year and you kind of alluded to this message. You were kind of just thinking about this message and starting to write the manuscript. And so the backstory of your identity and some of your experiences growing up, we talked about in the other episodes. I want to encourage everybody to go and listen to that. So today we're actually talking about your book that is releasing. And actually by the time that this, um, actually comes out, it probably is already going to be released. And so um, we are talking about your message, Eyes Up. And so I'd love for you to just in reference to your title, start today's conversation by telling us how do we keep our eyes up when we are tempted to keep our eyes down or even on ourselves rather than the Lord? That's so good. It's a great question. So uh, a lot of the message around eyes up and really the core of eyes up is this idea, a reminder, an invitation from the Lord, right? That, that tells us that our faith is what should inform the way that we move through circumstances or situations. And so one of the things that I have continued um, to wrestle with the Lord through and with is asking him to help me do exactly that, to keep my eyes up on him and off of uh, my surroundings. And one of the things that he's taught me uh, in the midst of, and not just writing this book, but just as he um, did this new thing in me, as he built up this new faith, as he reframed the way that I saw him was, for us to be able to keep our eyes up on Jesus, we have to believe that he's actually who he says he is right? Like we actually have to believe that God is who he is, that he is comforting and kind and faithful and long suffering and love, uh, that he's gracious, that he does care. And so uh, a lot of what I think happens is we, we want to, in theory, take our eyes off of our anxiety, off of our fears, off of the things of the world. Um, but it's hard to do that when you don't trust the God who you want to put your eyes on. And so a lot of what happens is, is um, we allow the world to inform our faith. Like we allow the way that life is treating us to inform the way that we see God. Uh, and so really, Rachel, what we need to do is we need to surrender our, um, our control and really say, God, I, I want to believe that you are who you say you are. Would you help me do that today? And that's a lot of what happens when we are resetting our gaze and reframing up the way that we see our surroundings and trust God all over again in the midst of, of our lives. Yeah. I think what's so hard about that for me personally is, you know, while we're here on the earth, 
you know, the reality is, is God is, we can't see him. Yeah. (laughs) He is unseen, you know, like that tangible, he's so intangible. And so Mm -hmm. how is it that we, you know, (laughs) look on a God who has created all these things that we can see, but yet he is so unseen. Do you ever struggle with, with that? You know, we're saying our eyes, like what we can visibly see, but yet we can't see him, but we see evidence of him, which goes into like the Ebenezer stones, these stones that we can see, we can trace his hand, as you say, these Ebenezer stone moments. And so for those that are unfamiliar with this reference of Ebenezer stones, would you explain it and where it came from biblically? Absolutely. So uh, this fires me up. So one of the one of the contentions that I think every human has at some point is this idea that we can't see God, like we just cannot see him. And uh, most of us, right, resolve in ourselves to believe in a God that we can't see. And I've always had this really terrible relationship with the phrase um, blind, uh, uh, blind faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the, what the, like the connotation around it has always just felt, um, I don't know, uh, unsure to me. And so I, I kind of began wrestling with this idea of like blind faith. Like, is it really blind faith is what God is calling us to is what God call, is calling us to a blind faith. And so, um, in scripture in first Samuel, um, we, we see our friend Samuel, who is, um, one of God's, um, chosen um, for this particular time to bring forth uh, restoration and redemption to the Israelites. And so uh, we see him in the midst of another war with the Israelites. God essentially sends Samuel as the one who was going to bring them out um, from this from this one uh, battle that they were in. And so God rescues the Israelites. Samuel is the one that says, hey, um, if you turn your eyes to the Lord, he will bring forth um, a redemption to, to the people of God. Fast forward, God does that. He rescues them. And then God says this to Samuel. He says, listen, my people are a forgetful people. They're going to forget that I provided manna. They're going to forget that I came before them. They're going to forget um, that today, this place of defeat is now a place of victory. And so I need you to put up an Ebenezer. And an Ebenezer actually means stone of help. And so God said, put up a reminder that I was their help today and will be every day moving forward. Uh, Not because they're going to forget today, but because when they look back, I need them to see what I've done for them. And I need them to see a physical reminder of my presence. And so um, I believe that scripture invites us to see God show up in our lives through so many different ways. Um, One of them being um, the hands and feet of Jesus, right? You've got people in your life who've shown up for you uh, through these divine appointments. And uh, often it's not that God is uh, unavailable or um, unable or or inactive. It's just our inability to see God move. Mm -hmm. And uh, Eyes Up is, is a book where you get to engage with the Lord and say, God, where have you been? Like, where have you been? Show me your hand so that I can trust you. You know, it reminds me of, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, is it Elijah or Elisha? I, 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 uh-huh. sometimes, I know. I'm just thinking about like, you know, when he is, he's like, his servant is scared by the army around him. Yeah. And, and he says like, okay, Lord open his eyes. So he yes. may see, and it's like, yeah. isn't that our prayer? Like, Lord, I, I'm yeah. struggling to see right now. I'm struggling yeah. to keep my eyes open. I'm struggling yep. to keep them on you. And like, show me this show me your presence, show me these stones, remind me of your presence around me. Um, and is that, is that even in 
King is that in Kings? I think it's I Elisha. think it is in Kings. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it is in Kings. And I think a lot of what our, our natural bent is to even I mean, from Genesis, right, looking at Adam and Eve, what happens is we we quite literally turn our gaze away from the Lord. Like, I, I think about Eve a lot, honestly, through sort of kind of through every lens in my life. And I think one of the things that that for me, as I remember reading Genesis three and trying to understand the fall was she at one point essentially had her eyes on the Lord and what the Lord had done for her. But as soon as Satan said, Hey, look what I've, look what I have for you. Hmm. Look over, like look redirecting over our gaze. Oh. He absolutely redirected her gaze. He, and he hmm. redirected her affections. He redirected her convictions. He redirected um, her mind, right? Her posture from one question. And so it really is, it really is a redirecting of, of our entire posture um, when we are led by our pride, our flesh. And so this, this idea of eyes up is really in theory, right? It, it's, it is looking up to God, but conceptually what I'm saying is the moment we take our eyes off King Jesus in any way in our lives, we are going to lose sight of him. We're going to lose sight of him, not because he's not there, but because we've chosen to put something else on the throne of our hearts. Mm. Oh, that's so good. And I, I love how I, I just love it. It's so easy to understand how you have described this. And so in the very first chapter, it's labeled like, well, each chapter is actually labeled a different stone. And so you begin yes. with the starting stone, which is yeah. a great place to begin. <laughs> so where you question, like, where were you God? So talk to us about this, this very first starting place. Yeah. So absolutely. So I, I, I really believe that God wants nothing more than to reveal himself to us. And he has through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. But even in that, I believe that he he's not holding out. He's not hiding. He's not far or aloof or callous. And so as I began writing eyes up, I, I got, I got really bold with the Lord. And I was like, listen, I, I want to invite women in to see the ways in which you practically show up. And I believe that he does. Like we see it in scripture. God actually does show up. And so um, he, he led me all the way back, which I think all of us have a starting stone. Um, we just have to take the time to kind of see where, where, you know, where that is in our stories. And so he led me back to my own starting stone, which was this moment in time where I, I was living in Virginia with my mom, single mom at that point still. And uh, I am writing these notes and there were little prayers hindsight, but I'm writing these notes. I'm probably about eight years old. And uh, I, I begin to kind of see as an adult now that these notes were Ebenezer's. They were little, they were almost like these Hansel, Hansel and Gretel crumbs that uh, the Lord had left for me to look back on. And um, what's really cool about our starting stone is that our starting stone is the place where God began to do something in us, where he began to draw our affections, draw draw out our gifting, draw out our, our hope. Uh, one of the things that I most love about our starting stone is that there are the places in time where hope usually don't make sense. Like the moment in time where you, you find yourself um, choosing to believe that there's good and you're not totally sure why. And that is always, that's always 
um, a, a sure signpost and marker of the goodness of God and the grace of God working itself out in your life. Uh, because I believe, just like James says, there is nothing good that doesn't come from God. Like anything good that we have is really a gift from the Lord. And I truly believe he means that. I believe it's not just gifting or or material things. I, I believe that any type of grace that we see happen in our lives is the grace of God. That's how he works. And so learning to see the grace of God fleshed out at the beginning of our stories is so important so we can better understand his long-suffering love and how he's been after us all along. Yeah. Well, and then you write about God as the cornerstone and I, yes. I just love thinking of him in this way. So why is this foundation just so essential? Yeah. So I don't think we make an, a big enough fuss about the resurrection. Like, I just don't think as believers, I don't think this generation is hype enough about the resurrection. Of well, Jesus. And we're just coming off the heels of <laughs> Easter right now. So like we're in, yes. yeah. I'm like, I, I just don't think, I don't think we're doing it right. And so I, I remember probably about six years ago, I, something clicked in me. I was, I was most likely reading some sort of Tim Keller book or something, but uh, <laughs> one of the things that I, or one of the concepts that I began, that the Lord began to really um, like root in me was the power of the resurrection, like the actual power of the resurrection. And um, so the, the chapter that's called Cornerstone um, is really talking about Jesus as our foundation. So this is kind of where I lose my ever loving mind whenever I'm talking about it. So our greatest Ebenezer, Rachel, is the empty tomb. Mm. Our greatest Ebenezer is the work that happened on the cross, that stone, the, 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 the stone of ages, right? Um, our cornerstone. And so this chapter invites us in to see, to see Christ as the very essence of, of what we're building our life on and what we're looking for. And so the, the kind of the promise in this chapter, the reader's promise invitation is when you can't seem to trace God's hand, you trust his heart by, tr by trusting the cornerstone, by trusting that empty tomb, by trusting the work on the cross. Um, because sometimes life is not going to make sense, Rachel. Sometimes the suffering of the world and the pain of the world is not going to make sense. And so we look to our cornerstone, the one that we build our life and our faith on, uh, because the tomb is empty. And, and our cornerstone is what we now build our life on. And I, if I could write about the cornerstone and the resurrection the rest of my life, I would, because I think that all of what we're looking for is found in that. Well, I'm just thinking how many of our Ebenezer stones are different, but that's the one that we all share. That's it. Come on. That's literally it. And I'm like, listen, I, one of the questions I'm asked often is like, well, what about the woman who, who can't find God's activity? What about the woman who, who actually has had such a difficult life um, to where she just can't seem to trace his hand? I'm like, I have an answer. It's the empty tomb. Mm -hmm. I have an answer. It's the cornerstone. I have an answer. His name is Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. uh, the, the King of Kings. And that is the, that is the one Ebenezer that we all have. And the one that binds us, the one that that mends us and the one that reconciles and redeems us. And when I look at that, um, I, I get so overwhelmed by the grace and the goodness of God, because I, it's what helps me then see him in my life. Like once I understand the power of the resurrection, then I begin to see God in the rest of, in the rest of the seasons that I've been in and the rest of, of the tiny divine appointments and moments, because I know that he's there. I know that he's actually good and that the, and that the cornerstone my rock, um, our foundation has actually been there all along. Yeah. 
Well, okay. And so then the last chapter, not to give everything away, <laughs> but yes. it's titled Multiplying the Stones. And it's about our purpose and his mission. And I just, I just really, really love like this image of all the stones collectively, you know, yeah. like just building and building and building and like how, and even just like all of our stones multiplied and the impact of that. So would you talk about just fulfilling our purpose and in, in his mission? Because really, you know, like there's that idea of like, big C calling and then like little C callings, like how we all, um, right. I don't know, achieve his purpose in so many ways, but just in different ways. Yeah, no, that's great. So I, I'm actually really obsessed with the idea of purpose and calling because I think that our generation has kind of turned it upside down on its head a little bit and uh, we've lost sight of some of what God has actually called us to. And so in this particular chapter, I am, I'm really commissioning us to live on mission with God's purpose, which is this, right? The great commission and the great commandment. However, what happens is when we understand our stories, Rachel, like when we understand our experiences, our stories, our gifting collectively, when we begin to see this beautiful masterpiece, this mosaic of our lives, we're then better equipped to live on mission with our testimonies, our giftings, and the field God's given us to steward. And so uh, chapter nine is, is really the culmination of God actually does take our pain and does take our experiences. And he actually does use them for good and turn them to good more than anything. I used to have a really big, um, I used to have a contention <laughs> with that phrase, pain to purpose. I thought it was like aloof and empty and like lacked, lacked depth. But I was, I, I had to repent of that because here's the thing, when we give our pain over to the Lord, he really does do something with it. And not because, not because that's why he's allowing the pain or, or he's caused the pain. That's not how he works. God doesn't need our pain. What he does do is he redeems it. And whenever we give God over or whenever we give over to God, our experiences, our gifting, whatever it may be, he does really take that. And man, he blesses it for his glory and the good of others. And so that's where mission and purpose come from. It's from our experiences, our gifting, our stories, um, our, our sin even, right? The things that we've once wrestled with. And then even in that, um, our, our convictions, the things that we live and breathe for, the things that light us up um, are something else that are other things that the Lord uses too. And so chapter nine, I say, listen, God has given you a story. He has given you an experience. He has given you a sphere of influence. I need you to go now and tell people about the God that met you, redeemed you, and has sent you off to mission now. Yeah. Well, and okay. So we talked about earlier, like the subtitle of your book, it actually says how to trust God's heart by tracing his hand. And you yeah. actually suggest like charting your own Ebenezer journey so that you kind of can like look back and say, okay, yeah. I do see you God. Like in, in retrospect, it's a lot easier to see sometimes than, you know, looking forward. So what does this, this process look like practically? Like how can yeah. we start to apply this? Yeah, that's, that's really great. So at the end of each chapter, I, essentially call us up and I'm like, Hey, I, I, right at this very moment, something is coming to mind and whatever that, whatever that coming to mind is, whatever thought, whatever emotion, I need you to write that down. Um, even if you're not a journaler, just take a moment, put it in your phone, text it to somebody, take a moment to consider the works of God in your life. Because when we consider the works of God through each of these chapters, through these words, through his invitation, something happens. We reshift and reorient our gaze back to him. We begin to take notice of his love for us. And Rachel, I think that's really what it is. 
I think that we just forget that God loves us or just don't know God enough to remember him. And when we're taking a moment to write these things down, we're actually taking time to know God, to see God, to remember God, and really to have something to remember about God. Because here's, here's another kind of layer to this. We can't remember God if we don't know God. Like you can't have something to look back on if you actually don't know what you're looking to. Mm -hmm. And learning to see God, learning to know God, getting to know God is really what we're doing here. I'm really, I'm really inviting us to just sit with the Lord and, and to, and to see him as father, as shepherd, as friend, as counselor, as cornerstone, um, so that we can then even trust that these moments, these divine appointments are actually his hand at work. Yeah. Gosh, I'm just thinking about biblically, like people, we've always been so forgetful, but when we do, and that's why he, he wanted us to build altars, like, so that we would remember. And that's why he yeah. wrote the Bible. And then I'm just even thinking as we start to chart our stories, like what a foundation that even builds for then our children and the next generation to yes. start to, to, to build their own stories and to look back on ours and see when we start to look at other people, how God has been faithful in other people's life. Absolutely. Us to, to see his faithfulness in our own. Absolutely. And that's actually like, that's literally what scripture tells us in revelation. Like we overcome the, the word uh, by the blood of the, or we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Like quite literally the word of our testimony is, is how we overcome with, with the blood and with, with the power of the resurrection. And so to think that we are not processing enough, our testimonies um, is, is, is such a loss. Like it's such a loss on us. If we, if we don't take the time to say, man, what, what is my testimony? What has God done? How far has he brought me? And to give him the glory in that so that the rest um, of the generations to come can see a glimpse of his goodness through the dwelling place, which is us through these living stones, which are you and I uh, in this very day. Yeah. I love that. So that, <laughs> you know, because at the end of the day, it's, yes, it's nice to understand our stories and why things have happened, but at the end of the day, it's to give him glory and to help absolutely to, come to know him too. And so in your book, you, you say that you believe it's possible to enjoy the gift of confident faith, no matter what part of the story you, you face today. Cause it's fun to trace like all the good things. <laughs> But it's yeah. not so fun to trace like all the like painful stones, like we talked about earlier. So how do yeah. we embrace God's goodness and sovereignty at every twist and turn of our lives? Yeah, I think the most thick brushstroke answer that I can give is really the answer that I tell myself even today as we walk through some of our own personal um, circumstances is, is this, it's reframing the way that I see God. And I'm going to keep saying that because I think it's so important and it's the only thing we have to actually stand on. Jesus does not cause our discomfort. He was sent to comfort us in it. And so when I see the Lord through that lens, Rachel, when I am walking through any sense of suffering or any, any depth of pain, or maybe it's a, a wayward child or, or, you know, the, the loss of a loved one, or, or maybe a, a job loss or whatever, a prayer that didn't come to fruition, a dream that was shattered, whatever it is, when I see Jesus as my comfort in that, then I can take notice of the ways in which he's walking me and guiding me through that season. So like God is not out to destroy our lives. He's not out to cause um, disruption. What he's up to is really redirecting a lot of the rejection, a lot of the pain, a lot of the suffering. And so although he is a God that will come in and interfere 
with the plans of the enemy, he really is like our, our rescuer. He really truly is the one that came to bring about salvation. So regardless of whatever season you're in, when you're able to look at God and say, yeah, thank you so much. I wouldn't, I wouldn't been able to come this far without you. You begin to take notice and give thanks to God in all seasons because you cannot rule your way through a difficult season. God is the only one that can walk you through it. And we don't even take time to take notice of that work, right? Like we don't even, we think it's us and our strength, but it's really by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like that's a grace. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about sometimes, well, I'm thinking two things. Um, how do you, do, how do you apply this concept to, cause you have children, I have children. Like what does yeah. this look like at a, at, at a younger age? And I know we're both still young, but yeah. instead, you know, instead of chasing decades, how do we kind of instill this in like our, our children early? Yeah. So I, I was actually just asked this question a few days ago, sort of, sort of this question, like, how do you live? How do you practically live out your faith? And how do, how do you, you know, instill this in, into your children early on the faith? Really? I think for Mario and I, in our household, we understand that the way that our kids are going to catch this fire, like the way we're going to set this ember ablaze in them is for them to see us live it out. So like our kids really do hear us talk a lot about our faith and our contentions and our wrestling. They see us choose to believe in the God, you know, in in the rock of ages and the God that is faithful and everlasting, even when things are hard. Um, And so all that to say, we don't do it perfectly, but we do it with a lot of humility and willingness. Yeah. Um, and I'm just thinking about the role that we can play in other people's lives to help them see God's hand, because I feel like, you know, sometimes we are kind of back to your comment at the very beginning, we're blinded a little bit by, yeah. um, I don't know, just our inability to see. And so what would you say about like, how have other people come into your life to help you see and trace God's hand when, when you aren't able to do it on your own? Oh my gosh. This has been one of my f- very favorite um, invitations from the Lord to learn, to look at the ways in which he's brought people, the bride of Christ to my life to serve me is beautiful. So, so let me give you guys just a quick backstory and some context. Um, I did not grow up in the church and I've had my own share of what people would probably call church hurt. So like the bride has not always been a safe place for me. Um, however, even throughout this, uh, the, the, the process of writing the book, but really just the process of, of wrestling with the Lord through this. I fell in love even more with the bride of Christ. I really did uh, because I began to see her um, for who she really is, right? She's, she's a hospital. She is where broken people come to be made whole. And so I have seen people, uh, the hands and feet of Jesus, even some non-believers show up in my life and be the very voice, the very, the very comfort, the very support that I've needed um, to get me through, and also really to lift me up. I've I've had folks um, who, for whatever reason, right, the, the 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 guiding of the Holy Spirit have called and just said, "Listen, Alex, the Lord laid you on my heart today." And so, those very moments, y'all, that's the Lord. Like that is actually God. So, learning to see God in that, learning to understand that this is not a coincidence. It's not happenstance. It is really, it is really the divine, the divine hand of God's grace. Even noticing those smaller moments helps us understand the grandeur and the beauty of God and how much he loves us. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I just love it almost, you know, we can look at how he's worked in our past 
And, but it, what it excites me is, is like, okay, God, what stones are you going to give me for my future? So talk, yes, talk about that, that for just a moment. Like, how does this play into the future and, and the, the, yeah. his vision for the moments ahead uh, for us as well? Yeah. So this, so in, in first Samuel, one of the verses that just absolutely blew my mind, which it's literally like, I wish I could probably read it for, or open it up right now and read it first. So it's first Samuel um, and it's verse think 22 and it's one through like seven or the chapter. So read through that. But essentially what happens is Samuel says, uh, God has brought us this far. And if you look at it in different translations, some say God has brought us this far and won't stop now. Thus far has brought us the Lord. And the following chapter is this new journey that the Israelites then are kind of sent on. And the Lord stopped me in my tracks. And I remember reading that and saying, man, really what this is reading like, and this is obviously like emphasis paraphrased Alexander Hoover, it's the Lord's brought us this far and he's not going to stop now. And understanding that like, man, he has brought in that, like he has done this much this far. Why on earth would he stop now? Like he, he is the God of vision and direction. And he's the God of building a church. He's the God of restoration. So to, to know that for God to love the world, he sent his son and he's not going to stop now. Like he's not going to stop the redemption and the rescue plan of his family is so encouraging. Mm. Oh, so encouraging. So, okay, you've answered this question before, but based on today's conversation, how do you think that we can best be love offerings regarding like keeping our eyes up and in these Ebenezer stones? Yeah, so we are, we are called living stones. Mm-hmm. In First Peter, we are called living stones, First uh, Peter 2, 7. And a lot of what we see there is this, this language and terminology of, because of Christ, you are now the dwelling place of Christ. And now you are somebody's answer to prayer. You are someone's Ebenezer. You are someone's, um, you are someone's word of encouragement. You are someone's um, way maker, right? And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, you are sent on mission to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so as we go about our day, having that kingdom mindset that we are here to serve and not to be served, we can be love offerings for those around us and live in a posture of humility and of surrender because we get to do this work and we get to build the bride and what a gift that is. Mm, I love the thought. That's such a good, we are living stones. That was such a good answer. So, so good. So I know I want to continue to stay in contact with you. I know listeners are going to want to, so tell us how we can best do that and purchase a copy of your book. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, I am on Alexandra V Hoover on Instagram um, my website is alexandravhoover.com. You can pre-order the book right now on Amazon. Um, it's actually on sale. Whenever you hear this, maybe not, it may not be, but today it's $16.99. And maybe, <laughs> uh, but head over to Amazon, grab a few copies for you and your friends. And uh, you can also find me um, on eyesupbook.com. Well, I have already pre-ordered my copy. I can't Thank wait to get, to get it in the mail. Um, I'm just cheering you on and um, love this message and, and just love you. So thank you so much for Um, being my guest and for helping us to reconcile how a good God can allow deep pain and how he can emerge with renewed faith and greater impact and purpose by keeping our eyes up. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, Rachel.
Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode with Alexandra Hoover. We hope that today encouraged you and equipped you to keep your eyes up and to trace those Ebenezer Stone moments. This week, our love offering is from Alexandra, and she says that we are called to be living stones because of Christ. You are someone's answer to prayer. If you're interested in show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams author on Instagram or Facebook. I would love to connect with you there. I'd also love to connect with you over on rachelkadams.com. There you can subscribe to receive your weekly love offering newsletter, and all of this information can go straight to your inbox each week. You can also find all the um, previous season podcast episodes. You can find and read the love offering blog series, and you can find all the free resources, including the 31 day love offering calendar. And you can also pre-order the new book, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. You can pre-order it there and get the first 10 devotions sent straight to your inbox. Next week, my guest is Ashley and Dino Patrone. They are on the show talking about their book, Designed to Last. I can't wait for you to tune in again then, but until then, I hope you have a terrific week. And as always, remember to lead with love.